Welcome to My Friend in HR. I am your host, Jasani Courtney, your friend and your guest into the elusive world of human resources and career fulfillment. I'm glad you guys could join us. I'm sure you noticed something different. It's not just audio. We're coming to you live with video. So we'll see how this works. If I don't lose all my followers, because now that you see my face, I'll keep it going. But uh, we'll rock and roll with that. Um, you guys realize over the last few episodes, we've really spent a lot of time talking about getting that next opportunity. How do you get that next job? What things set you up for success for that interview process? And you heard me ramble for three or four episodes, but I thought it was really important to make sure that I brought in an expert. Um, so I have Alejandra Villegas, and uh, she, is a, she is a seasoned recruiter. She's been in the recruiting industry for a number of years, um, and she's been able, she's been a change agent, and she's just, she rocks and rolls when it comes to talent acquisition. And I thought it'd be really great to get it, get, get it from the horse's mouth, someone whose job it is to find that next crop of talent. She talks with leaders, she talks with executives, she talks with hiring managers, so she understands the needs, and she understands where some candidates tend to fall short. So Alejandra, thanks for joining, joining the show. Thanks for coming on board. No, absolutely. Super happy to be here. Um, excited to kind of share and hopefully make an impact on someone's career progression and search. Um, oh, so definitely excited to, to kind of share. She wants to make an impact too. So see, she, she should be on the podcast full time. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> Put it in the comments. Alejandro, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it, I think I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's really what this podcast is about. It's about to, it's about getting people that insight behind the lines about what it is that you see as a recruiter when people apply. Um, because I can say it as an as a HR professional, but you're, literally your job is to talk to those folks. So we're, we're going to dive right in. Um, and, and so my first question is, you know, we watch a lot of articles on, on LinkedIn. We talk about it being kind of an employee's market at this sure. point. Um, do you think that that's the case, employee, employer's market? What, what, what are you saying right now? I do. I think there's a misconception. Um, obviously, we're kind of all aware of the recent layoffs across different verticals, mm -hmm. specifically in the tech space. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's an employer's market. I think it's kind of the opposite. I think employees um, or candidates rather are really still the driving force. You know, we went through the, res the great resignation and now we're kind of moving into this new phase post COVID. Um, but what we're realizing is that candidates really still have options, especially mm -hmm. the talent that we all want. They are the ones that candidate, that companies are, are gonna definitely go after. Um, and I mean, I see it at my own company. Um, we'll we'll put uh, all our guards out there sometimes if <laughs> if someone's just really really hot. Um, so I yeah, still definitely an employees market. So employees market. So so basically, what you're saying is is that candidates have a choice. Absolutely. And good people can find good jobs. Yes, it's out there. Um, and it's not to say that you know. Folks don't have challenges depending on what city you're in or what industry you're in. There's always going to be challenges, sure. but you don't have to settle. Um, Correct. You, 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 there's, there's choices out there. Great. So that, that's a great message for our listeners. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Sure. Uh, so you got a new position. A candidate, you know, a hiring manager has said, Alejandra, I need this person. I need my purple unicorn, uh, uh, this person with this, this exact skill set. And you post a position. When you start looking at resumes, what is the first thing that, that catches your attention on a resume? So, first of all, purple squirrels, purple unicorns, we get a lot of those. A lot of those, you, you have hey, no we, idea. You know what, and we need to be careful. I, I want to make sure I don't use too many HR terms when we say purple unicorn. <laughs> so when we say purple unicorn, purple purple horses, whatever, Squirrel. squirrels, what are we talking about? It's those very niche, um, hard to find, uh, very technical kind of roles that maybe um, a candidate has very, very specific type of skill sets, mm. right? That's kind of what we mean. 
Um, but you asked, what is the first thing that mm -hmm. you look at when you look at a resume? And I'll be honest, um, I look at the format. Did you spend some time on this? Or did you just throw whatever it was on a document mm -hmm. and it just looks like a novel or one page paragraph? <laughs> that is what I look at. Um, is it easy to read? Um, and, and then I just kind of dissect it from there. So let's take let's take a mid-level career person. Sure. And you get their resume. In one of my podcast episodes, I said, really, you should keep your resume down to two, maybe three pages. Um, what's your opinion? I think two tops. Okay. Um, once it goes past that, it's, for me, it's, it's a matter of, can you articulate what you really accomplished in your roles? And if you can't do that, when you have time by yourself, when you're not in front of a company or an interview or a hiring manager, then there is a bigger issue there. Um, two pages max, because if not, uh, I'll be honest, you're not, typically you're not the only candidate that's applied to the opportunity. There are other resumes in the bank. Um, and if I compare it to someone else's that has spent the time to really focus and zone in on what value they can bring to my company, then mm, it's, it, it gets a little, a little washy there. So, and this may be a little selfish to say, but should the candidate keep the recruiter in mind when they're, when, they're in, when they're getting their resume together? Meaning, you know, you and your team interview, I mean, sorry, review no, uh, scores and scores of resumes a day. And so does it benefit a candidate to like, look, let me make it easy for them to select me? Yes. <laughs> I know it seems, like a, it seems like an obvious question, yeah. a comment, but so, so what does that mean? So if I'm, if I'm getting ready to apply for a job, mm -hmm. How do I make it easy for you? You talked about formatting. You talked about, you know, the, the attention to detail. But how do I make it easy for you to select me to call me in for an interview? So you kind of mentioned it also in one of your other previous episodes. What? You listen to my podcast? Yes, I heard <gasps> all four episodes. Dear Diary. Ali, <laughs> I did. I did. Awesome. Uh, wanted to make sure what I was walking into, right? <laughs> I had to do my research. I never ambush you. I never would. <laughs> um, but no, definitely, you know, Dasani kind of hit it on the on, on the nail there. It's it's about keeping who is your audience, right? Is it the recruiter? Is it the hiring manager? Because you, we all do see your resume. So if you want to stand out, it really is about how are you presenting yourself? Because that is what a resume is. It's that very first impression we get mm. of a candidate. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing you guys should all keep in mind of when you're job hunting. Um, what do I want to tell people about myself through a piece of paper? Right. And so being able to portray that is important. Right. You know, one of the things I put in, in, in episode one of the podcast was that, you know, your career is kind of like a novel mm -hmm. and the jobs you have are like the chapters um, yeah. in that. And you want the resume to be a story that the recruiter wants to learn more. They want to give you a concept. Oh, this person looks looks great. So, so that formatting, making it easy for you, uh, two pages. And she said it, two pages max. Those novels you guys got out there, cut it out. Because, uh, and I've actually talked to candidates in, my, in one of my previous lives where they say, "Well, but I've done so much, um, and I've you know it, maybe it's a R and D position, and they've written all these papers, and they want you to know how smart they are." Um, you know, what do you say to folks like that? They're like, I've had a 20 year career. It's hard for me to condense that in two pages. What do you tell to a professional like that? I think it comes down to what from your previous experience is easily relatable and easily transferable to the specific new role that you're targeting. That's what you need to highlight, right? 
Um, I mean, once upon a time, I used to be a checkout clerk at Marshalls. You will not find that on my resume, mm. right? It's not something related to my career, where I want to go. And so wait, so it should tell a story. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. So I love it. I love it. So, so you, you mentioned um, you, you definitely have to be intentional about what you put on it. And I know you've mentioned that in one of your previous episodes. And so definitely just kind of echoing that. Um, your resume should be specifically for that role. And kind of maybe skipping ahead here and maybe some other things you want to touch on. But you, you brought up on one of your episodes... Um, what is it that you really want to target in your career, right? Um, this is that. This is you kind of pitching yourself, mm -hmm. giving your elevator speech to someone that you have no idea who they are, what their personality is, and so how are you going to capture me? It's by showing me what value you bring to that specific experience, mm -hmm. or sorry, that specific opportunity, that yeah, specific yeah, role, yeah, yeah. Um, and how can what you've done in the past tie to what I'm looking for? I love it. It's, again, it's as if she was doing the po other podcast episodes with me. She, she's, <laughs> she, we're, we're totally aligned on that. So, story time. Okay. Right? Um, and again, you know, I, I can't even start to count the, the number of positions you filled in your entire recruiting career. But I like you look that look back in your brain and, and pull out a story of where a poorly designed resume really kind of tanked a candidate, where it's just, you know, wow, this person probably was great, but the manager just could not get past <laughs> the bad formatted resume. Do you, is there a story like that? So um, it actually happened when I first started at my recent company. Um, I was getting a general understanding of what we would do. Um, and it actually happened with an internal candidate. Oh, really? Yep. So the person already worked at the company yep. where they were applying. Okay. And, and so they thought that because they had been here, they didn't really need to brag about themselves. Mm. Um, they, it seemed like they literally took the job description, pasted it in the resume and submitted that. Wow. Um, as well as attaching a bunch of different certificates. And I went back and I told them, hey, um, you know, trust me, we understand the value you've brought to our company in the past. Um, and even most recently, but we want to know a little bit more about how you feel that translates to this new role. Mm -hmm. It's something outside of what you've done before, you know, really helped me understand the connection here. Right. Um, and they just didn't see the point in that. So Really? So you gave that advice and they just like, eh. Yeah. And so they moved <laughs> forward and I submitted what they had and the manager said if they can't spend the time on highlighting their experience and again, how they can bring value to my role, then I'm not sure they're the right fit. Wow. Wow. That's that's unfortunate. I mean, just because they just because they didn't put enough time into the resume, they lost out on a potential opportunity. That, and, that, and that's unfortunate. I mean, it's one thing if you're not qualified. It's one thing if you don't have the skills and things like that. But to, to, to lose out just because of a lack of effort, I mean, that's one thing I also mentioned on episode, uh, episode three, I believe. It says, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. Of course. Um, it's almost like take it like a first date. Mm -hmm. you, you you want to put on the best foot. You want to put on your best suit. You want to, you know, go ahead and get the crap you out of your hair. Nice. Yeah, you know, little, little, <laughs> you, know you, you want to bring you want to bring your best self, right? Um, great. No, so appreciate that. So 
let's move forward and let's talk a little bit about the interview. Okay. Um, and so now you found a couple of candidates. Well, first, just for people's awareness, because and I also want to bring awareness to people who really want to understand like the interviewing part, like what recruiters go, go through. So for a typical position, um, let's not, let's not, it's not a purple uni unicorn. Got it. Um, we definitely filter through and we probably do, from those 100, we'll probably cut back to 15 right. pre-screens. They'll screen with me, and from there, I'll only present five to right. my hiring manager at max. Right, because you don't want to bombard the manager nope. with a bunch of uh, bunch There's of no reason to, to, to muddy the waters there. They already have other things going on, and the last thing I want to do is confuse them. Right. So, so, so why did I ask Alejandro that question? And that's because everything counts. Yep. Right. You're, you're competing against another 99 folks potentially that applied over the weekend for the same job you want, and so she just said it. Up to maybe up to five will make it to the hiring manager. So you want to do everything you can to be on that top five. So that means formatting. That means alignment. That means all those things we've talked about 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 keeping your resume top notch and presenting your best self. So when we talked about the interview, um, you know, what, you know, what are some mistakes you've seen candidates make make when they showed up for an interview? When they show up for an interview, they first of all. You didn't take the time to Google how far it would I can take tell there's some house. passion behind this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Did you map out your time? Mm. Did you take into consideration our city's traffic? Um, mm. Did you dress the part? Did you ask me what the business, what, what the dress code was? Most of the time I'll provide that information, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll be honest, I'm human. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> Um, so someone definitely, definitely don't want you to show up in flip flops and a t-shirt, right? But what about? Well, let, me, let me ask you a question. So, but a lot of in, a lot of interviews are being happen, are happening via Teams. Sure. So, does the same dress code apply if it's a virtual versus in, versus in person? Absolutely. If you are in Teams, you need to be in a quiet area um, with a clean background. I don't want to see all of um, these different posters in your background <laughs> um, or your undone bed. Um, because those are, <laughs> other people may disagree, right? But it, it, it shows part of your character. Um, so just, uh, if you can't find an empty space in your house, just a blank wall. Um, quiet space, definitely no distractions, because we can tell when you're looking somewhere else, um, or when you're taking a little bit too long to Google an answer. <laughs> so, Wait, you've had that? Somebody's like, yeah. <laughs> for a technical conversation, we definitely, it happens, it happens. Or you'll see someone no. even telling them what to say in the background. Uh, Wait, like, is there somebody whispered? Like, you can tell that they're trying to figure out, and you, you know that they're not looking at a screen, they're looking at somebody. Oh, wow. Um, so it happens. So, so definitely make sure you're alone. <laughs> um, put your phone on mute. Um, a lot of it seems like common sense, but you'd be amazed in certain circumstances. It just kind of goes over people's heads sometimes. A lot of times we hear the term cultural fit mm -hmm. um, for an organization. So I'm going to break this up into two quick questions. Number one, sure. is cultural, cultural fit still a thing? Um, and if so, how do you determine cultural fit? That's a great question. And it's definitely something that we're seeing kind of shift in the workspace. Um, we're seeing more of cultural ad. Mm. Um, instead of cultural fit. Um, it, and I think it. a lot of it has to do with us just being more aware of the demographics within the workspace, um, whether that's the differences in generations or um, in just population. Um, and what we're realizing it is that 
external new perspectives really do add value to the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, and it's a proven fact, people hire people that are like them, right? Um, and not, I'm not definitely not saying or knocking it, um, but what we've come to realize is that a cultural ad definitely brings more value. Absolutely. Um, and what we're seeing is that we are now assessing as to can this person work collaboratively with these people while providing new ideas, a fresh perspective, and just a brand new way of doing things mm. um, while still meeting the value of the team, meeting that business goal. Because, it, I mean, let's be honest, that is what we're all employed to right. bring value to the organization and accomplish something together. So um, that, that's kind of the, the movement we're seeing. And yeah. we see it be a better success as more and more teams start to adopt this. I love it. And, and just so everybody is aware, like Alejandra and I do a lot of work together um, on the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And so, you know, I'm, I'm totally singing that too. And I love that whole aspect of shifting to a cultural ad versus a cultural fit. Mm -hmm. um, because we have, there is there are studies out there that shows that the more diverse organizations are, the more you avoid groupthink, they tend to be more profitable. Um, there's all kinds of studies out there in Harvard Business Journals that talk about the value of having that. And so not getting stuck in that whole of terminology of cultural fit, I totally love it. Um, here's a great question for you. What do you think about a candidate who applies for multiple positions within your organization? So <laughs> I I kind of disagreed with you a little bit. No! Um, I will be that is all, That's all the time we have for today on My Friend Nature. <laughs> in, in my line of work, um, we actually hire for a similar role across many different locations. So for me in that specific mm. opportunity, it's actually a win. If a candidate applies to multiple locations, even though the work at that specific area is a little different than the last area they apply to, the concept of the role itself is, is similar. And so to me, that means, hey, flexibility. I may not be able to hire this person here, but over here, they'd be a total plus. Okay, so now, here, here, here I've got to ask though. <laughs> but you say that they're similar roles. Yes, okay. so I, I, get, I get where you're going, right? <laughs> now, you mentioned, I believe someone, you know, applying in marketing or HR or business development, you know, different complete verticals, right? Mm -hmm. Here's where I think that there may be some gray. Okay. If it's a coordinator type job in each of those verticals, I think that the skill sets definitely oh, is transferable, yeah. right? right? If I'm applying to an operations coordinator versus a marketing coordinator versus an HR coordinator, sure, there are some differences, but the foundation should still be the same in some of those areas. Mm -hmm. At least I think so, right? And I have seen people make the change. Um, now, if I'm seeing someone apply to a VP role versus, uh, let's see, uh, analyst mm -hmm. um, versus an engineer versus um, an accountant, an, you know, in that I'm like, okay, buddy, we <laughs> we probably need to take a step back. Why we, I mean you as a candidate, need to take a step back and just kind of reevaluate. Mm -hmm. What do you really want, right? If it's high money, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, we're all still here to make a, a living that we all love and that can enjoy, but definitely need uh, a come to 
moment with yourself um, and just really understand your strengths and weaknesses and where you can really grow and bring value. And so also the in story. that sense, yeah. you know, I, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's okay. it's okay. It's okay. My wife disagrees with me. So it's totally fine <laughs> if you disagree with me. It's, it's a, but that's what it's about. It's about having different perspectives. Sure. Um, but you bring up a very good point. It's about really kind of the totality of it all. If, if it makes sense, then it makes sense. Yeah. But just make sure it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're going to move on to tours. And so the, the interview process is over. Mm -hmm. And now we get to the negotiation phase okay. or the offer phase. Okay. So as a recruiter, you're often the middle person yes. between the candidate and the hiring manager. Sure. First question. In general, what do you think about when a candidate tries to negotiate? I do not see any issue with that at all. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it's I actually expect it. Mm -hmm. um, it's very seldom that I'll have a candidate that just kind of um, accepts on the first offer unless, and I think you touched on this in, in the podcast, actually you did, Unless you told me up front, hey, this is what I'm expecting. And I tell you, you know what? That's outside of my comp band. But I really think you could bring value. And I'm, I'm me as a recruiter are going to go to bat for you. And probably the hiring manager too, because I know that they're going to like you. Mm -hmm. So we go to bat, get the budget approval for that increase. And then we bring it to you at what you said you would accept. And then guess what? You tell me, you know what? I actually wanted a bit more. Oof, <laughs> oof, that is very tough. Yeah, that's Because rough. I've been trying, I, I, one thing I do pride myself is a transparency. I'm gonna be upfront with you, hey, th these are my constraints, mm -hmm. and I will put it in your court. Is this still something you wanna explore? And if you tell me yes, then um, we move forward, right? Right. But if up front, you know, we, I was honest with you. I expect you to re reciprocate that. And down the line, if we're getting, you know, you're our lead, you know, we're, we're whining and dining you mm -hmm. and you come back with that. It's, it's just kind of questionable. Form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, oof, are they going to do something similar within the role? Yeah. You know, this person's going to be actor interacting with XYZ. Are they going to do something that kind of stems from that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's definitely a bad form, but there, otherwise there's absolutely nothing wrong with negotiation, right? If you tell me, Hey, I'm looking for 60 to 70, right? Okay. I come back and I'm like, you know, we want to offer you 60 K and you come back. You're like, you know what? I know I told you it was 60 to 70, you know, you're offering me kind of at the low end of that. Is there any way that we can wiggle to 65? Mm -hmm. Um, definitely nothing wrong with that because you were upfront about what your expectations were and you've come to know a little bit more about the role and you see maybe now you're taking into account, hey, you know what, this place is about 10, 15 minutes away further than my last job. Mm -hmm. So that's more wear and tear on my car, more mileage. Maybe I got to pay for an extra toll or two. Mm -hmm. So you're factoring all those things now. Um, and I understand that, right? We're right. All, yeah. So it, it kind of it balances out. Definitely nothing wrong with that. And so, and, and I very rarely speak in absolutes, but in the podcast, I did make an absolute. Like, I have never actually seen an offer get with, completely withdrawn just because a candidate tried to negotiate. No. But where they go wrong is how they choose to negotiate. Yes. If it becomes adversarial or something like that, then that becomes more of a starting off at the bad foot with, yeah. a, with a manager. And then the manager may say, whoa, what am, I, what am I potentially bringing into my team? Exactly. So, all right. Well, good. So, so again... 
Negotiate. You can yeah. always negotiate. The, the worst thing you can do is say no. Yeah. And then you still have the offer. Right? Exactly. Um, so when you look on LinkedIn, and I know you've seen these too because I've seen a ton of them, there's a lot of folks that complain about how long the recruiting process takes. Right? They always say, oh my God, it took three or four months and no one ever called me back and these things like that. Um, I mean, what do you say to folks like that in terms of like people who complain about the length of the typical recruiting process? I'll tell you that sometimes those actions don't come necessarily um, just because we want to. I'll be honest, a recruiter's job is to fill those roles and to fill them quickly, right? One. You guys even have metrics, we that, have measure, metrics. That, that measure. So the longer a role is open, hey, that's that's my bonus that's gonna be. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So trust me, I'm trying to get you in the door, that offer out, let's go. Um, from a hiring team perspective, that team is impacted negatively sometimes. If the role is vacant, then who's doing the work? More often than not, it's being broken apart between mm -hmm. team members or maybe even the hiring manager itself. So they are probably right alongside me trying to get this role filled as soon as possible, right? So sometimes there's just circumstances that delay us. Maybe budget constraints, maybe um, travel plans, maybe um, someone got sick. You know, if, if something's taking a little while longer, it could be something very easily related to that. Um, I, I would be remiss to not say sometimes the interview process just does include everyone on the team to speak with you. <laughs> and, and trust me, you know, as recruiters, we understand that's not optimal, right? We're not here to waste anyone's time. Um, but sometimes managers just really, really care about who they're bringing into the team and they want to make sure that it's right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they really do just need to put someone through the vetting process. And unfortunately, sometimes that does just take a little while longer. Right. Now, are there, are there, there are companies out there though whose process just takes a long time. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes some even pride themselves in that. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they, they think that for some, in some strange, insane thinking, they think, oh, well, if it's long, then we're doing due diligence. Yes. Versus, okay, I fell in love. This is the person I want to bring in. Let's yeah. just, let's just commit yeah. and do it. Right. So, um, so yeah, so there you go. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, it's internal situations that the candidate's not always aware of. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's just the nature of the company. If you want to work for these big companies, these big, you know, name companies, yeah. I won't name the name of them, but I know two or three off the top of my head. You just know mm -hmm. when you hit apply, you hit submit, it may be 30 days before you hear from yep. somebody. Right. Um, so getting, getting towards the end of this, um, same thing, you know, you also hear from candidates, oh, the recruiter never called me back. Um, you know, I feel like if they're going to reject me, I shouldn't just get the cold. Um, we've, we've picked someone else that best matches the skill set that we tend to put in our applicant tracking system. Um, what do you say to folks who's like, I feel like you should call everybody back who, who's, uh, who's applied? Um, <laughs> you guys can't see her face right now. Maybe you can see the twitch of her eye. What do you, uh, we should have zoomed in on that. But uh, but, what, what, but seriously, I, I've read, I, I couldn't tell you, and, and me being a, a sure. former recruiter, I get it, right? In my viewpoint, it take, you know, you said a minute ago, sometimes it's, it's 100 resumes, mm -hmm. and you have to screen, you have to interview, you have to pre-screen, and, and all these things. And then the candidate's like, well, I never heard back. I applied, never yeah. heard back. I mean, what do you say to folks like that? I'll tell you that... <laughs> She's trying to give a thoughtful answer. It's so great, so great. <laughs> no, to be honest, behind every uh, platform, 
Behind all of these hundreds of applications, there is only a person, right? Mm. Um, and there are only so many hours in a day. And we really do have to sometimes lean on our systems to keep the business going forward. And some people forget that we're people too. Um, and I say that because we know that there's people that are actively applying and that are trying to find a new career and that do have bills to pay on the other side of this paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we work with people, we're a people person. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not completely out of the notion that, hey, you need a response. We need, we need to be able to get back to you. Um, sometimes, I'll be honest, it's just, it's just really difficult to do that one-on-one -on -one touch. Mm -hmm. Um, but trust, we, we really do strive to get back to y'all. Absolutely. Um, it's just sometimes impossible to do that and still keep the ball rolling from a business perspective, which is why we do lean on AI platforms or applicant tracking systems to help us with some of those automated functions once we've reviewed resumes mm -hmm. um, to kind of move them into that next phase of, hey, sorry, for thanks for applying, but just not the right fit for this role. And I'm glad you brought up AI because that was one question I was going to ask, or I was going to ask, but that's chose not to. But since you brought it up, you know, there's also this sense of like there's more AI involved. Yeah. So they're saying, oh, well, there's not a person, and so now either through boolean searches or whatever the case is, my resume is going to be taken out, and no one ever reads it. And but if you read my resume, you know I'm the top candidate and things like that. And you just mentioned that somewhere behind that, there's still a person. Yes. You know, what do you think about AI becoming more involved in the recruiting process as, as in terms of, do you think it's going to help, continue to help you guys or? I think that, and I, it's so funny, I was actually just having a conversation with my colleague the other day about this. Um, they, they were actually saying, we're going to get left without jobs because of it. The, recru I, the recruiters? Well, not on my team, actually, uh, yeah. a, a peer in HR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I actually told them, no, it's actually the opposite. I think you need to be able to embrace it and leverage it. Mm -hmm. um, because if you don't, then you will get left behind. Um, I think there's so much technology out there that if you learn how to use it right, it really does save you time, but it teaches you something, you bring more value, um, not just to you, but your business and your hiring managers as a recruiter. Um, so as far as a resume goes, you had mentioned in one of your podcasts, shifting your resume to be formatted so that it is friendly for AI. Mm -hmm. And that's really the ticket. Mm -hmm. There's so many companies that lead on these types of platforms. And if you're not becoming more aware of it and just kind of understanding that that's the shift that we're going towards, mm -hmm. then it will be a little harder to get a call back. Um, you know, making sure that your resume is concise, making sure that it has the right words, um, making sure that it's not just a copy paste from a job description or a job posting. Um, those are types of things that these AI functions pick up. Right. So, you know, Alejandra, I, I really do appreciate you having some time and talking because I think our, our viewers and listeners, I love, I love being able to say viewers now. We can <laughs> say viewers. Um, but our viewers and listeners really got a lot out of, out of your insight because, again, you know, this is literally her role. This is what she does. She, she's out there trying to find the next generation of talent. Um, it, you know, what's one thing you'd like our listeners and viewers to uh, to take away from this? Just that one, one, that one golden nugget that'll lead them to career fulfillment. What, what would you say? I think it really is like I said at the beginning. Your resume is the very first impression anyone at that company is going to get about you. Um, it is about you understanding that your resume is going to take time 
It's not something that you can just put together last minute. Um, it's something that you need to be intentional about. Um, and you really need to think about what do you want your first impression to be for that company? When I connect with you as a recruiter, um, you know, what story are you trying to tell me through a piece of paper and then kind of share more insight on as we connect on a phone call? Absolutely. So, so, so there you go. Impressions matter. Um, we can get as technologically advanced as we want to, but at the end of the day, it's about putting forth the effort. It's about putting forth the, the initiative. It's about those little details that will put you ahead of the pack and lead you down the path of career fulfillment. Um, my friends, I appreciate you guys once again joining us here. Uh, tell me in the comments, you know, whether or not this vi this video feed, uh, this video actually works for you, or you just rather me get off camera and just stick with stick with voice. Um, <laughs> We'll see. Uh, the camera didn't break, so I'm assuming we'll be successful for next time. <laughs> but anyway, as always, folks, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Hopefully you got some, some good nuggets about, uh, about the recruiting process and some tips that will help you be successful in your next career journey. Please thank my, my guest, Alejandra, for, for joining us and sharing her insights as always. If you want to connect with Alejandra, Alejandra is very active on LinkedIn. She's very active on the diversity, equity, inclusion front. Um, so you can find her. You can find her on, on LinkedIn account. As always, with uh, with my friend in HR, you can email me at myfriendinhr at gmail.com. and you can find us on Instagram at myfriend underscore hr. As always. Uh, so until next time, not just to others, but to yourself. And remember that your job is meant to support your life. Your life is not meant to support your job. Until next time, my friends.